Teens Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queens Lead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast, and today we are so excited to be hosting Jenny Statler. I've known Jenny for a really long time, and I really can't wait. For, let's not talk about how long we've actually known each We're other. We're still very young. <laughs> we are still very, very young. It all started back in high school, but Jenny, mm-hmm. welcome. Thank you for being here. If you guys think I'm busy, like this woman is busier than anybody else I know. I don't know how she does it, so... Welcome, Ginny. Thank you for giving us your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. What a pleasure it is to just kind of talk about what I do and how I do it and and, and what what impact it makes on our community. Absolutely. So it is Asian and Pacific Islander Awareness Month. And so you are... Obviously, very Asian woman, yes. a beautiful, like <laughs> amazing Asian woman. I'm so proud to know you. Tell us what all you're doing. So currently, I am the first person of color to sit on the Moore Public Schools Board of Education. I represent yes. District 5, which kind of falls into where I grew up. So Sky Ranch, uh, Fairview, leading into Moore West and into Westmore, which is where we, we hail from. So That's I right. Break out my Westmore. Um, right. They call it, they call it link it up now. And oh, in, link it in addition up. to okay. the, link it up. Um, in addition to that, I am serving as the president, and I am actually the first person of Asian descent to sit on the board. And outside of that, I'm actually the first person of color to sit on the board. So the first person of color to actually sit in the school board president position that was just voted in, I think April 10th. Um, outside of that. Thank you. Thank you. It is amazing. We all, we all do our turn. Everybody is amazing. Everybody has their opportunity to become president. And the only reason that I highlighted it is just due to the fact that I am truly the first person of color. Um, aside of that, very, very active in at Westmore with athletic trainers. I'm very active at Sky Ranch on their PTA. I'm not currently serving on either board just because the school board position takes up so much time. Um, in addition to that, I am a full-time employee at the Embassy Suites Downtown Hotel, and I just recently started my very own um, beginner sewing classes where I take on adults who want to learn how to sew, and then I'll start in the summer uh, weekly kids' classes for ages 6 to 18 so that kids can get the sewing bug and, and kind of figure out how to use the machine and fall in love with it and hopefully start a whole new generation of sewers. Oh, I love that. One of the lost arts of sewing. It, it and- really is. And you know, what's funny is people ask when I got started and I say junior high, I took sewing with uh, Miss Little. I don't know if you went to more West, but Miss Little was there and we we got to make teddy bears and sweatshirts and things like that. And so we kind of got to find the art of sewing and it just, it has never left me. I love that. I was going to ask if it came from it, from someone in your family, but that's interesting. It started in junior high. My dad sewed, my dad sewed. So we always had a machine at the house and he was always I think his dad was a tailor, so he was always fixing things and hemming my pants. And at some point, he was like, you need to figure this out on your own. (laughs) You're right, Dad. I will sew my own pants. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. And if you, obviously, my listeners don't know your family, but you guys, this, this family is so dynamic and so 
multi-talented. Your brother did a mural as our senior gift in our high school over yeah. Westmore that year. A beautiful artist, even to the day, still living up in Colorado, doing art. And, and mm-hmm. your parents were both so impactful. Tell us a little bit about your parents and your culture and your heritage, just the history of your family. Absolutely. So my family is a little unique in the fact that my parents lived in Vietnam, came to America, met in America, married in America. So I always okay. feel like our family is just a little bit different because we, my, my dad um, was very integrated into the, uh, into America. And so a lot of the things that he did, which favorite band is BGs, <laughs> Corner, those kinds of things. So we just had you know, a little bit of a different upbringing. Um, and so they met, married here. They had four kids. Um, and I actually live in my childhood home because it was so meaningful to me to have my children have the same memories that I did in the same house that I grew up in. Uh, but my parents that were have been staples in the community for a long time. My mom worked at the state Capitol for 42 and a half years. If you walk the halls of the Capitol, you ask about spring. That's my mom's name. Uh, everybody knows who spring is. She would always make egg rolls and raise money to help fundraise for different causes that were, you know, like tsunamis or tornado relief or anything like that. And uh, she's actually recognized by Channel 4 as a Pay It Forward recipient because of her contributions for all of the money that she had donated over the years. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and then my dad was her little, he was her little sous chef because she would roll them, he would fry them, and then they would sell them. Uh, so they were a really great combination. And, and they, they just really loved giving back to the community. So they both moved at separate times during their mm-hmm. childhood from Vietnam to here. Yes. Yes. What ages were they when they immigrated? It was later in life. And honestly, the, the, I think it was in 75, 76, my dad, before he passed, he was starting to write his memoir. So he has some notes that I will eventually take on and try to create a story out of that for him. There are some wow. sections that are lost because we, he passed away in 2020 before we could actually sit down and map out some of the times of his life that he didn't put down on paper. Um, my mom, my mom went to OSU. So she lived in Stillwater. My dad came and when, when Vietnamese refugees came to America, the Catholic charities were located over often in the Classen area, which is kind of how the Asian district came about in the first place. Okay. So with that, they would all go and they would where the subway currently sits on class in and 32nd ish used to be a Dunkin Donuts. And that is where all of the Vietnamese men would come get coffee, talk to each other about where they had job openings and where they could go. So they were constantly trying to help each other find work. And then they would disperse, try and find jobs. And then they would come back every single day. Well, my dad had some friends that were coming to and from Stillwater. And in, in one of his travels, he met my mom. And uh, within a month, he had asked for her hand in marriage. And within three months, they were married. And, and if you asked him, wow. he would have said, he would have said, and, and my dad was a character. If you knew him, this story makes perfect sense. He said he had just gotten a new car and he was putting a whole lot of mileage on it, driving to Stillwater. So he's like, so I had to marry your mom to bring her back to Oklahoma City so that I could save, I could save money on money. gas. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's his version and i have a video on facebook that shares that it's cute they just they were just they had a lot of fun together and uh it was it was really a joy to watch them in their marriage and kind of emulate what what a relationship is supposed to be like and as they compromise and kind of give and take a little bit 
and, and the giving spirit that they both had. I mean, they really just instilled that in all four of us. Mm. Oh my gosh. What a rich freaking culture heritage of this family, yeah. <laughs> just as you stand alone, like the public service of it all. And just the, the genuine, like goodness of your family is so bright. Yeah. It just makes me so proud to even know you. Um, and the way that your the kids of your family have turned out is such oh, a testament it's... to their relationship <laughs> and their service. Yeah. You guys are, are, um, Absolutely. very impactful people. Thank you. That's Thank what you. I would, we, we definitely impact think, seems like the word. We, we, we definitely think of what long-term, how our actions are going to affect the community and by paving the way for our children, you know, you, when you come to America, you raise a family, your first thought is I want you to have what I never had. And mm -hmm. so creating that sense of responsibility and sense of obligation to go on and become doctors or lawyers is something that you're supposed to do. My family is very different. My big brother, as you know, he's an artist. Um, I'm a catering, I'm a director of catering at the Embassy Suites in downtown Oklahoma City and, and, a, and a servant, public servant. My sister works at Dean McGee and then my little brother is a registered nurse. None of us are doctors. None of us are pharmacists. <laughs> of kind of followed that same path. But I think that my parents realized early on that by stifling the creativity part of our lives, that that wasn't going to allow for us to live full and happy lives. Because mm -hmm. you had my dad who was a, was a draftsman and he was able, now he would piece things together with duct tape. <laughs> right. That was, that was his style. And my yeah. mom, she was always crafting growing up. And, and she's again, like her making sure that people, whether it's the egg rolls or fried rice or things like that, that you always have a full belly. So, you know, my, my parents were really funny and taught us to fill the bigger table rather than, mm. you know, keeping people out because they don't fit what we believe or, or what we truly and what we have time for. So opening arms wow. to people and I mean, we've adopted people over the years who I would consider siblings and they've been at every holiday, every birthday party, every happy moment. And, and really when it counted, like when my father passed away, they were there when we needed them the most. And I think that that comes from cultivating those relationships and really, you know, embracing people who, you know, may not have somebody to, to spend every holiday with every single year, but you always have a place with the winds that that was really important for us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love that so much. Um, Oh, you just made me the whole, the whole thought I was going to ask you next fell out of my head because I'm just so wrapped up in the story of family and it's so rare. I, I just don't, I don't know if you understand or appreciate how rare that is because I know so few people like that. Yeah. It's we're very together rare a lot. For today. <laughs> we're together a lot. We, I think, I think we're on the 12th year where every I don't so sometimes it falls over Thanksgiving and sometimes it falls over Christmas, but we'll do what we call the win bowl and we play minutes winning games and we compete family against family for the coveted title of second place. Because second first place. place is the true losers because they have to play in the games for the next year. So everybody's like strategically throwing certain games and everybody gets a child, a little person, a little kiddo to be on their team. So everybody has equal opportunity <laughs> to get yeah, second yes. place. And it's so oh funny. And the year, the year before my dad passed is the year that he and my mom won. And so when he passed, I thought, wow, what a sneaky way of getting out of planning these games. <laughs> right? I having to plan them, but he would have got a kick out of trying to figure out how the games were going to work <laughs> and building the pieces and the props and things that we have to use for, um, I mean, I mean, every year it's a different theme. So it's, it's, 
it's fun. We, we have a lot of fun together. We're together a lot. So <laughs> it's a big deal. Those traditions, um, those traditions are so unique and it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of immigrating to the United States was something that took some of those old traditions out of the thoughts of your parents and allowed you and your siblings such a different opportunity than mm-hmm. probably what they were experiencing Absolutely. as young people in Vietnam. Absolutely. And my mom will often say, oh, you know, I've been there, done that. And, and I keep thinking, you weren't an American teenager. You know, growing up, yeah. all I wanted was a packed lunch with a peanut butter jelly sandwich, a soda wrapped in foil, <laughs> a bag, <laughs> a, a, an existing bag of potato chips. Instead, I got potato chips in a Ziploc bag. Sometimes I got a sandwich. Sometimes I got rice. Sometimes I got different things. And it was always a thermos full of milk or orange juice. So growing up, it was already a challenge because I knew I was different, but it wasn't as obvious until we sat down at lunch that my, my lunch is different than yours. Um, Mm. but as we got older, we, we really were involved in a lot of things. There's um, the Asia society of Oklahoma, which has been around since the eighties. They host an Asian festival every year. Now they started incorporating a moon festival. They'll do new year festivals and things like that, that we were always involved in. Um, and I was actually in 2001 crowned the first Miss Asian UCO. And so that was a, that was a really cool experience for me because I never felt Asian enough, but I also didn't feel American enough. So there was like that weird Mm. in between gap that I just, I didn't know where I fit in for a really long time. And I had an amazing mentor by the name of Samantha. Uh, She has served as the only Asian American to be crowned Mrs. Oklahoma. Uh, But she took me on and kind of taught me how to, taught me how to do makeup, which was really important because there are things that Asian moms teach you um, and really kind of taught me the process of presenting myself as a lady. Uh, So I give a lot of credit to her because she really was my mentor for a really long time, but she's the one that started Miss Asian UCO to give me the opportunity to be crowned as the first. Wow. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. I love that. That kind of put me like, okay, I'm Asian. Like because I don't think yeah. about being Asian every single day. And, and I've recently had somebody ask me like, what's it like? I'm like, I don't know. Half the time I don't think about it because I live my life. I do what I need to do. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, um, wow. Was the only difference you felt uh, at school um, the lunchtime? I know as an adult, it's easy to go, you know, like, I don't have to think about that anymore, but as a younger person, do you feel like you were exposed to, to hate or, or meanness that that was completely unnecessary? I would say no. Uh, there were, there were times where I felt a little bit different because I wasn't allowed to stay the night at friend's house. I wasn't allowed to go over. I wasn't allowed to talk on the phone. And I think that had a lot to do with having immigrant parents and that their fear for safety from their past experience kind of spilled over into their parenting. I would okay. say I didn't, I didn't experience a lot of uh, any racism until I was well into high school. And those were more inappropriate remarks about things and comments and names of people like, oh, I heard this the other day. But I, I would say, you know, living where I live and going to school where I went, I always felt very included. There was never a time where I was a sad kid or I was, I was never bullied. I was never left out of situations because I was different. There were just times where I knew I was different because it just, I look around. I remember one time I, wa- I saw a friend and he had a double decker peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, like, dude, this kid is twice what I want. 
Oh, that is literally the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was like double stacked and I watched him try to eat it. And I'm like, man, I want a double decker peanut butter jelly sandwich. But you know, my grandma would be like, that's a waste of bread. <laughs> you know, and, it was, and I would say, I, I felt a lot different when I had friends come to my house because my, my mom and my grandmother are Buddhist. Uh, my dad was Catholic. So my, my grandmother likes to have a prayer shrine that she never felt comfortable leaving it in the open. So she had it in the fireplace. Well, in the Buddhist, in the Buddhist culture, you provide an offering when, before you pray, anytime you open a new package of cookies, candies, anything that's considered special, you you plate it first to do it as an offering. So my grandma would then put it in the fireplace to say her prayers. And uh, a lot of my friends would ask why my grandma is feeding the fireplace. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, feeding the fireplace. She's praying. That's, that's normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, you know, the people that I grew up with, I really felt like they embraced the differences. Um, and, and I never, I truly never felt like an outsider. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so oh, glad. yeah. I know. I know that is not the experience for everybody. And, right. and that's why, you know, I teach my kids inclusivity and if a kid is acting out, let's find out why let's, something must be going on. If that's completely out of character for them, like figuring mm-hmm. out the deep why versus reacting to the, what is happening now is so very, very important. Yeah, definitely. Which leads us into your leadership of children and your service for the school board of of the school district that you and I both graduated from more schools here in Oklahoma City, uh, more area, central Oklahoma for our international listeners. Um, Tell us about how you got involved with the school board service and, and, and what you're trying to do with that. Absolutely. I was asked by uh, the superintendent if I would be willing to serve um, because the the school board member for our area, our district is broken into five smaller districts that has one representative for each district. Um, and he asked if I would be willing to serve because ours was rolling off the board. She, she had already served many terms, had done a phenomenal job. I get to follow her on Facebook. So I get to see her in retirement. She's traveling, having a great time. Uh, and I thought, you know, if if the superintendent has called me to serve, then, then that, that means you see something in me that I didn't know that I had. <laughs> Wait, who you're looking like, behind yeah, me? Like, absolutely. are you asking me? Yes. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, prior to that, I has, I had served on as president, vice president, uh, secretary for the PTA board at Sky Ranch. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'd also served as a board member for the more public schools foundation board, which is a phenomenal organization that raises money to help fund grant requests and site requests for all of the schools of more. Uh, mm-hmm. So I find out I have to go in December, put my name on the ballot. And I said, what do you mean? I have to put my <laughs> Like people are going to vote so like, on this. Are you joking me? <laughs> it's a popularity contest in adulthood. So, this, something's wrong with this. So there were <laughs> two other candidates. So after I put my name in, I was like, okay, what do I do now? And they're like, all right, now we campaign. And I was like, we do what? <laughs> I really didn't, I didn't know. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest issue specific with school board elections because nobody knows when they're happening. Half the time you're going to get a hundred people who are going to come out and vote. So I put my name in, we start campaigning in January. We have our first election in February. um, And then myself and another candidate end up going into a runoff situation. COVID happens. So when COVID happens, that pushed the runoff campaign a runoff election to June which fell in line with the presidential primaries, uh, which meant that it was the biggest school board election that had happened to date because more people came out for that. But in addition, we're having to campaign during COVID, figuring out a way to go door to door, make connections, 
talk to people about the issues that they have at their schools. What can I do to help, you know, uh, while also maintaining six feet of distance, keeping everybody safe. Um, and, I, you know, with COVID, my, my only goal was to keep my parents safe. And um, sorry, my phone rang. <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry. Uh, my, my only goal was to keep my parents safe. So having them go out and campaign on my behalf was was just, it was a scary time. I mean, they were in their late 60s, early 70s. Uh, so we go out, we campaign. I go. I go to my watch party that night, just terrified because I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never really rained for anything before um, with, with PTA and everything. It was just like, okay, well, I'm the only one that's stepping up. This is great. I love right. it. And I love that aspect of it. But the campaigning part was terrifying because I'd never done it before. I had amazing help from some really, really great people. Um, one, he, he's run several other campaigns before. I had my best friend Maggie be my campaign manager. And we really just went out and, and talked to people. Um, and so I won. <laughs> I was like, okay, now, okay. Is, uh, now is a new day. Um, and that was, it was a pivotal moment for me because I was sworn in in July. Um, my dad passed in August. So that was like the last thing that he was able to see me do before he passed away. And so I was able to kind of make him really, really proud, you know, in, in, that, in that little short amount of time to see first Asian, first person of color, um, and, and one of our family members really step up to serve the community in that way. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's kind of where that, how that came about. And since then, I've, it's been, each term is five years. So it's been a, a learning experience for me to figure out how does this work? What do, you know, what, what is my role? What can we, what can I do as an individual? But, you know, the school board itself, our, our main goal is to protect 25,000 students. And how do we best do that? How do we best pass policy and enact, you know, existing policies to ensure that every student is going to school, they're learning, they feel safe, they're being fed, they're feeling loved, you know, that they are, that they're receiving everything that they need in a school day um, so that they can grow up, graduate and become successful in whatever field, whether that is in college or a technical field or, you know, an apprenticeship program or doing entrepreneurial work. There's so many different avenues and, and, and it's, it's so funny because when you and I were growing up, there was only one option, go to college. To college. Um, and I always tell my kids, <laughs> my only requirement when you graduate from whatever you, whatever you decide to do, you just have to have health insurance. That's it. <laughs> I don't care. I if love, you it. love it. I don't care yeah. if you make a million dollars. I don't care if it's a dream. If you break a tooth, can you fix it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and not break the bank. Um, yeah. so that's you know my kids know because my husband he is a union plumber, so he went through a, a five year apprenticeship program with the local three for four plumbers and pipefitters union. I'm a, gradu- a, a college graduate, and then you know everybody it's different, so they see both sides of it and how you can be successful as long as you work hard and have health insurance. Um, so that's, like <laughs> that's the bottom line. <laughs> that was. That was a complete detour. That's that's my PSA for everybody. I love uh, it. But yeah, like I get said, insurance. Like my, get health insurance. Um, like I said, my my main goal with the school board is to just serve the district as best I can to protect twenty five thousand students. Mm-hmm. And you have a few of those students living under your roof as well, correct? Absolutely. I've got two. I have one in high school. She started. She's a freshman, which is almost over. And then I have a little fifth grader who will be going into her last year of elementary school next year. So it's, it's been really exciting to see the changes in the district and how that's affected and helped my kids. Because one of the big things that is coming down the pipe for middle school um, is an emphasis on the, on the 
STEM programs. Mm-hmm. So my oldest daughter was accepted into the pre-engineering program at Westmore, which has a lot of her, which she didn't want to do. Let's be clear ah. on that. I made her do it because I thought, you know, this is an opportunity. And whether you're an engineer or not, this, this really gives you an opportunity to explore different areas that you could be successful at or really mm-hmm. determine and, and kind of isolate it down to where your talents lie. And now yeah. it's one of her favorite classes that she has. And she's really learning a lot of different things regarding architecture, fashion design. They do CAD work, which is computer work and, and the building, like the insides of the buildings and how plumbing works and how electric works and things like yeah. that. So it's, yeah. it's been really interesting to hear her tell me about the projects that they're working on in school. Uh, but that, that didn't exist when we were growing up mm. and what, what a beautiful change that has happened with that. And each high school is receiving a, a college re- readiness building. And those buildings are going to be have, have a lot of STEM-based and engineering-based curriculum inside of it. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's going to give these kids an opportunity that they can get their associate's degree while they're still in high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They can graduate from more Norman technology with their pre-engineering cer- certificate um, yeah. by her junior by her junior year of high school. She, mm-hmm. she which she will <laughs> if she'll fill it, finish she the will. program. She will graduate from more Norman as a junior. Uh, yeah. So it's just so many wonderful opportunities. One of my favorite features with the college readiness program is that each one is going to have a coffee shop that is going to be run and, by the special ed kids. So it's going to yeah. give them an opportunity to have real work life experience, be able to interact mm-hmm. with people. And I just think that that's such an amazing opportunity for them to feel like they're involved in school and are able to, yeah. you know, like see everybody and make a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> so that, yeah that exactly. It's a really cool program. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you thought the biggest change from more schools when we were there in the nineties to, she was there a little yeah, longer than me, yeah. but in the nineties ish to now, but I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head. It's the opportunity yeah. that's in front Absolutely. of these kids. Like my, my oldest is 19 graduated last year, went through that pre-engineering program. I just knew he was going to be ready to go up to Colorado school mm-hmm. of mines and be this big engineer. We yes. went and toured it and he was like, yeah, not for me. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, but that pre-engineering certificate certificate that he got through more Norman from freshman and sophomore year allowed him to enter the, uh, the mechanic, their auto auto maintenance program. And he is loving it. He's about to finish that. And yeah. so now he's got a great job with the dealership and lots of opportunity mm-hmm. and he loves working on cars and he wouldn't have known that without that engineering opportunity and the opportunity to go to a really expensive and and strategic and, and, you know, detailed engineering school, but he learned early that that wasn't for him. And that's the opportunity our kids are getting now with our more public schools has an internship program. My stepdaughter went through that and found out really Mm -hmm. quickly. She in fact did not want to be a teacher and deal with a classroom full of students every day. And that was valuable information Absolutely, to learn her junior year. To dream and to think is different than to execute and make happen. And, And sometimes the reality of what you want is not what you want. And I think that that's extremely important that while it's paving a lot of paths, I agree with you that sometimes it allows you to really zero in and focus on the path that's going to work best for you. And, you know, kids change their major so much in college that what better opportunity to kind of break that down and not waste those years by, (laughs) you know what I mean? Figuring it out early on and making that decision for yourself. Like I said, there's no, there's no right path. There's no wrong path. It's just a matter of figuring out what works best for you, your family. And again, do you have health insurance? <laughs> yes. Do you have health insurance? Because this is really the bottom so line. Scary. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. So, well, we've talked to, we briefly touched on your job with Embassy Suites. You mm-hmm. run their catering department there. Is that I correct? Do. Yes. I've been here for four years. I get to work with a lot of large corporations. We do a lot of smaller events. We do a lot of um, multi-day events, one-day events. I mean, it's, I've been um, an event planning junkie for years. I love it. I, I enjoy every aspect of it. Um, it was My goal was to become a director of catering uh, within so many years. And I, I achieved it. Thank goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know what I, I don't, I honestly don't know what else I'd be doing. Um, cause I was one of those kids that when in college, I changed my major. I originally went in for music theater. Uh, and then I realized I, I got married at 21. So I knew I wouldn't eat if I was at rehearsals all the time, because I <laughs> really hold a job at the same time. Um, then I went into broadcasting and then I eventually settled on to uh, corporate communication. But at one point I wanted to be um, a tour manager where I was going to like run big concerts and things like that, which would have been great, but that's not from looking back. I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, so going the event route and, and really being able to take people's vision, take people's ideas and really execute it into really, really well ran programs with really good food, which is extremely important. Um, is, is really, I mean, I've been, I've been here four years, but I've been in catering for 15 years. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a, a career for me, you know, at this point it's a career. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no doubt you could do anything you set your mind to now. Like you could be running Lady Gaga's show all day long. I just know oh, but- <laughs> if I could, I would, but listen, can you imagine? We're, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I don't, I don't have the, uh, I get winded walking upstairs. So let's, let's just put it that way. <laughs> I don't know if I can run yeah, anywhere yeah, anymore. Yeah. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. Um, and so, and you also are like, as if you weren't busy enough, you're inviting adults and children into yes. your home to learn yes. how to sew yes. uh, with Dragon Mama. Yes. Uh, I have Dragon Mama Studios. I got it. I got certified and licensed through a program called Kids Can Sew, uh, probably at the end of February. And that allows me to utilize their curriculum to teach kids, kids between the ages of six and 18 how to sew a pretty basic program. Each curriculum pack lasts about a year. And outside of that, I have make and take classes, which are a one-time two-hour class for kids to create, you know, a little cookie pillow or a unicorn or it's a project-based class that they'll be able to make it and take it home at the end of the day. And with that particular class, I would provide everything that they need. Um, and then I've got my adult sit and sews is what I'm calling them. And they'll bring their own fabric, but I provide all the sewing machines and basically teach them how to either do right now. We've been working on two different projects, which is a tote bag and an apron. Um, but I'm kind of tweaking those to figure out what works best. And I'm the, the, the smaller class size setting is much easier for the hands-on aspect of it because I can mm-hmm. I have to rethread a lot of machines I bet. <laughs> and help people pick apart projects and stuff, which that, that comes with the learning process of it. So uh, I, I try to take people who maybe have sewn a little bit and have a further interest, people who've never touched a sewing machine before. I've had several who said, my mom sewed. Uh, my mom would be so proud of me if they could see that I made this today. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, that's, that's so great to be able to kind of take something that somebody that you love has had such a passion for and be able to share it with them. I love that. Well, we've covered a ton. I cannot believe this time is almost over. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, (laughs) but what would you like to leave the audience with? And what can you share with us about how we can help 
to support and move forward the Asian community in this month of awareness um, surrounding that, that whole community? What can the general public do to plug in, be aware and support? I think going out to eat. I think the restaurants are a huge part of our culture. Food is a big part of who we are and, and everybody gathers for food and our food is so unique and there's so many different things that you get to taste and try. Um, but by going to those places of business and giving them the opportunity to serve you uh, so that hopefully create a, a customer out of you. I think that that's really great. Um, just And just honestly, being aware, being aware that they're you know, specifically through COVID time, there was a lot of, there was a lot of hate towards Asians. And there were a lot of times where I was terrified mm -hmm. to allow for my parents to even go to the grocery store because I just did not feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, that has changed a bit, but changing the mindset for people as far as, as far as who we are and what we represent. Um, and, and just, you know, I think just appreciating the culture is, is most important because that, that in itself, we we always want to share our culture. You want to come eat Vietnamese food? Come eat Vietnamese food. You want to come try on Vietnamese dresses? Come try on Vietnamese dresses. You know, like those things to me um, are not inappropriate because it's sharing a, a true interest in a person in in mm -hmm. what it might be like for somebody else in their shoes and to experience a little bit of you know what I what I had growing up. Eating a bowl of pho is like sitting next to my grandma, you know? So yeah. I think that that, that, that's the most important. It's just being aware and, and being open to those new experiences. Mm, I love that. And yes, love me a good bowl of pho. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't remind me of my grandmother, but I'm going to like channel your hey. grandmother while I do it because Come it's on. amazing. <laughs> I want to just adopt your whole family as my own. You guys are so dynamic. We're really and big. We're really loud. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jenny, thank you so much for just being yourself, for, for promoting the culture of family and love and people and connection mm -hmm. to our community. I can't thank you enough for your board service of, of our school board. Of course, I still have a student there. So, and I graduated from there. So it means a lot to me to see these new opportunities being placed in front of our children and, and the mm -hmm. awareness of those opportunities growing all the time. I just know that the next generation has got some pretty big shoes to fill with yours. Well, I know, you know, I was recently at Southmore and was able to sit down with some of this, the AP government kids. And if, if all the seniors are like this, we're, we have some really great leaders coming up through the ranks of more, more public schools, because you've got kids. Mm. I've never felt dumber in my life. Than with these I AP love that. Kids. That's and awesome. I, I don't know what to ask you as far as, I don't know, uh, but they, you know, and, and I was able to challenge them, which I'm like, oh, do I get an A in AP government? Because right? I've never been an A in AP anything ever. Um, but <laughs> I, I just, I have so much hope for the future. I see a lot of these kids come up and their passion and their drive and their social awareness um, and knowing, you know, that it's a tough world out there, but you got to have thick skin. You've got to, you've got to be tough. You've got to be mentally tough as well um, to be able to kind of survive. And I think that these I think these kids got it and I'm, I'm excited to see what comes. Yeah, me too. I don't think they're quite as fragile and uh, as, as what everybody would lead us to believe our kids are yeah. pretty in tune. They, they pretty well got it figured out more than what we'd like I'm, to think. I'm I think. definitely training my kids to be really tough. <laughs> 
They gotta be. It's a tough world, yeah. man, but yeah. it's a world where queens lead and you are definitely yeah. a queen oh, and you're leading you. by example and we appreciate you and love you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so thank much you for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Everybody go over to Facebook and find Dragon Mama Studios. If you're interested, if you're in the Oklahoma City area and you're interested in sewing or getting your child uh, a class on sewing, you can connect with Jenny there. Also the Embassy Suites, downtown Oklahoma City. If you have an event that you're bringing into the area, Jenny will serve you well. I promise you that. So uh, support the more school board and the more school district and everything that Jenny is doing. We thank you. 